Good morning. If you have been following along with us, we're in the fifth week now of this series, the book of Nehemiah called Awakening. We have been focusing, of course, this is a, a, a series where the book of Nehemiah is, is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, the ancient city of Jerusalem. The people of God come back after being in exile for 70 years. That's the end of your Old Testament. But it's important to know, and hopefully you're getting a sense of that if you've been following this study, maybe doing it as a small group, doing it as, uh, with some other individuals over this time, that the walls um, that are being rebuilt, they're now done, and they, they were finished uh, uh, just before this. We talked about it a little bit last week. We're really a visible means um, uh, to a invisible end, right? When Nehemiah was first got this... Um, call, right? He was, he, was, he was interrupted, right? As we often are in life. And, and maybe that's the point of this whole series for us as a congregation. I mean, Nehemiah was doing just fine, living his life um, in, in comfort there in, in Susa where he had a, a job working for the king of Persia. And uh, life was good. He had, a, he had a nice situation as far as we know. And he was interrupted. One day he wakes up, never dreamed that he was going to come to, to hear this report that the people of God were in disgrace, the Jerusalem city was, was in great trouble, and it burdened his heart, right? And Nehemiah prays this prayer, but the walls, I don't even know the walls are mentioned necessarily. I guess they are. The gates and the walls are mentioned. But the problem really wasn't the walls, right? The walls represented something. It was the disgrace of the people of God. It was the, it was the brokenness. It was the, it was the spiritual brokenness of the people of God. And the whole purpose of coming back and rebuilding these walls, it was in many ways a visible sign, a visible um, means to a to a spiritual reality. It was the revitalization of, this, of the people of God. That's what it was really all about. And we'll see that in chapter 8. You have a copy of the Bible open to Nehemiah chapter 8. And we'll get there in just a minute, right? It was all about the spiritual revitalization of the people of God. Not only returning their, their hearts and their minds to a closeness with God which had been uh, missed, which had been, been left dormant for many, many years, if you understand, if we remember this story, but also reuniting the people of God with their purpose, right? God's purpose for the people of God had not stopped just because they had failed, just because the kingdom of Israel had been overrun, because the people had been thrown into exile, God's purpose that this nation, right, just like the church, would be a beacon, would be a, would be a, a, a testimony of the message of God's love did not stop. And the rebuilding of these walls was the rebuilding of their own spiritual lives and ultimately their purpose. Um, I hope that you see... <laughs> Uh, uh, Jana mentioned the REACH initiative, that that's what this is about. You know, the, the two and a half million dollars we just spent in uh, revitalizing the school building and the, you know, that and more that we will spend in renovating this room and other parts of this facility, it serves the same end. It's not simply to make us more comfortable. It's about the revitalization, not only of our commitment to Christ, not only of our commitment to, the, to, to serving God, but our commitment to a community around us 
that today does not know Christ as their Savior. Let me tell you the spiritual awakening that I'm interested in, the spiritual awakening I'm praying for, my spiritual awakening, your spiritual awakening, and the spiritual awakening of the men and women, of the students, of the people in this community who today do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what it's really all about. It's really about our future. And you might say this, only God knows the future. And I believe that's true. And the future is in God's hands. Kind of a cliche. I believe that's true. But it's also in our hands as well. God invites us throughout the scriptures, right? The choices that you make today, the choices that I make today, we'll see that in this passage, have a lot to do with where you will be five years from today, where I will be five years from today, and where we as a church will be five years from today. This is a message called spiritual renewal, and the walls are now finished, and the real purpose that God called Nehemiah and Ezra into this community, which was the spiritual revitalization of this community, begins to take place. Nehemiah chapter eight, if you have a copy of the Bible, follow along with me. And we'll read uh, most of the first 12 verses. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, 5 and 6, 8 through 12. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, kind of the pastor of this community, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. I think you're supposed to imply children, everybody. He read it out loud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law, verse five. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them as he opened it. The people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, verse eight. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the Lord, or excuse me, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and to drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because now they understood the words that had been made known to them. What you see is really going on here in Nehemiah chapter 3 is a spiritual revival, right? If you're familiar with that word. 
It's really, a, it, it's not the situation of, of people who had never heard, now hearing. Sometimes we see that in the scripture, in our own lives, right? Michelle talked about that in the video. There was a time when she didn't know Christ, and God came into her life as he came into mine, as perhaps he came into yours. But what you're seeing here in Nehemiah is not a, in chapter 8, is not a situation where people who had never heard were hearing for the first time. It's people who had heard. These were Jews. These were the people of God who had heard but had forgotten, who had heard but no longer were pursuing a relationship with God. God and following him in his ways was no longer their top priority. And it had not been a top priority for many, many generations, right? That's what the whole point, that's why they went to exile in the first place. If you remember Nehemiah chapter one, Nehemiah finds out that the city's in disgrace. And Nehemiah begins to think about what God had done in his life. And he begins to not only confess his own sins, but the sins of the people. And he goes back into the words of Moses. And he says, Lord, I remember what you said. That you said, listen, the day will come if we, were, if we turn our back on you, if we become cavalier, if we become indifferent to the things of God, you will take us and exile us to the far corners of the earth. But if in exile, if after our lives have fallen apart, if after we've forgotten you, we've decided we're going to follow the, the, the desires of our own hearts, we're going we're to do what we want with our lives, if after a long season we wake up, and decide that we want to turn our hearts back to the things of God. You said that you would hear from heaven, you would answer, and you would bring us back, right? And Nehemiah prays that prayer. What happened to Nehemiah in chapter 1 is happening here to the entire congregation. You kind of get this sense reading through this three or four times, verse, verse 2, verse 3, verse 8, and verse 12. They heard the word. And the people understood the world. Verse 12, because they now understood the words, they had this great joy. And you think, where were they? You know, we almost have this sense of, of people sitting in church and, you know, the, the sermon's really boring, you know? I mean, it never happens here, right? <laughs> Maybe when there's guest preachers once in a while. No. But that's kind of, it, it makes you feel that way when you're listening to this. It's all of, all of a sudden they understood. Verse, the, the, the law of the God was read. They were making it clear. They were giving the meaning so that people understood what was read. And because they understood it, they had a sense of joy. Even the children, everyone who was there, um, all who were able to understand, men, women, and children, they had this sense of joy, right? But here's what's so important to understand about this moment, right? Very, very important. Verse 1. All the people came together in the square in the water gate. This was right after um, the wall was finished. And they, the people, told Ezra and the teacher of the law to bring out the book of the law. What's happening here? Very quick history. Verse 2. On the seventh day of the month, Ezra brought out the law. The seventh, the first day, I'm sorry, of the seventh month, verse 2, was the Feast of Trumpets. It's one of the seven festivals. It's kind of like New Year's Day. In fact, the Feast of Trumpets and Rosh Hashanah, if you know that term, the Jewish, the post-exilic way of saying the same thing, was New Year's Day. And it was New Year's Day. You'd say, why would they have New Year's in the seventh month? They had New Year's Day in the seventh month because it was a celebration of the harvest. 
The harvest was finished, and this was a big day in the purpose of the Feast of Trumpets, which happened on the first day of the seventh month, was really a party. It was a celebration. That's why he'll say later, quit crying, right? Bring out the choice food. Bring out the best drink. Why are you crying? But the people... This is why I say it's a revival. Even though the Feast of Trumpets, if you go back into the Old Testament, doesn't say anything that I remember about standing and reading the Word of God from morning till midday. This was not the the, the tradition, but after the wall had been built, after the people of God whose hearts had been so encouraged by the, by the finishing of this project, so encouraged by the renewal of the, of the purposes of God as the wall represented in this community. They asked for Ezra to bring out the law. They were the ones that called this service, right? They did it. They wanted, they, they didn't want simply to have a party. They didn't want simply to have food. They were hungry for the word of God, right? That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. It's, it's understanding the word of God that we experience change, right? That's what he's trying to say. That's what's so important. Four times it's mentioned. They came to a new appreciation that day, right? They weren't just people. I love what, what, what um, Michelle said, you know? I learned about Jesus, but when I got to college, I forgot him. That's what happened to the entire nation. And they came to an understanding, just like Nehemiah had done six months earlier. Even though Nehemiah had completely, in many ways, forgotten about God. Remember Nehemiah chapter 1? Lord, I and my fathers have forgotten all about you. We've been living in comfort in Susa. But he he brings back the word of God. He reads from the books of Moses, and he begins to weep just like these people. He begins to, his heart begins to break and he realizes God is calling him back, right? It's in understanding God's word that we change. I had breakfast with a, a, a friend of mine this week. And this friend, uh, he and his wife are Christians, but I'd say he's kind of been pulling his wife a little bit more than she's been pulling him. And they've been having a real hard time and I was catching up with him and he said, I said, how's it going? And he said, honestly, Things are going better than they were. And I said, man, that's great. But then as soon as he said that, he, he, I was so surprised, he kind of teared up. We were in this restaurant. And he said, but Rob, he said, I want to be a better husband than I am today. I want to be a better father than I am today. I want to be a better follower of Christ. Yes, things are better than they were but I want them to be even better than they are. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time the word of God got a hold of your heart, right, verse uh, 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 nine, and, and brought you maybe to a place of tears, right? This is day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of God. When's the last time the word of God got a hold of your heart? When's the last time it moved you to action or it surprised you? I would say for this people, it had been a very long time, right? They had grief over their sins. They were mourning and they were weeping. I imagine there was a regret like there was for Nehemiah over seasons of indifference to the things of God. But there was also, don't miss this, 
There was joy. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There was also joy because as the word of God was just like it happened to Nehemiah, for four months he wept and he fasted. For four months he came to the word of God and yes, he realized he had sinned. He realized he had been disobedient. He realized that he had become indifferent to the things of God, but he also realized there was an invitation to come back. There was an invitation for godly sorrow that leads to readiness that led to true repentance that led to a return of the joy in his life right and that's what's happening here to the people of God listen no matter where you find yourself today right no idea where you find yourself walking in this room today here's what the Bible says if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness right There is no sin that is beyond the forgiveness of God. There is no indifference that is beyond the callback of God. All you need to do, all I need to do, right, is to simply turn from whatever we're trusting in, turn from our indifference, turn from our attitude that nothing will ever be, uh, anything will ever change in our life, and simply turn back to the Word of God. And the Word of God comes into our lives, and it changes us, and changes are the direction of where we want to go. You're never, ever, ever past, where God, well, past the place where God can do something in your life, right? Uh, I was in, uh, we, we had spent the whole week, many of us here, celebrating missions. We had a missionary with my small group, and this missionary, uh, we, we were sitting around talking, was in, our, in the context of my small group, and told us all about what uh, she was doing as in, 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 her, in her field. She's been a missionary for for about 20 years. And after we got done talking about what she did, as we were getting ready to pray, I, I, I asked her a question. I said, what is God, I know what God's doing through you, what is God teaching you um, lately in, in your life today? And, and she kind of got serious and she said, well, how vulnerable do you want me to be? And I said, well, you know, uh, we'd, we'd love for you to be open. She said, honestly and truly, um, I'm struggling at this season in my life uh, to a degree about whether or not um, God really loves me, right? Now, this wasn't some, uh, you know, fresh person off the street. This wasn't a non-church-going person. This was a committed Christ follower, someone who's not only a committed Christ follower, but has been serving God as a missionary for almost 20 years. And I'll tell you, I didn't, I sent her an email later. I don't, we didn't all raise our hands, but I said, listen, friend. I said, I think when you said those words, every, uh, there was a hand in every heart that went up in that room because of that uh, a candor. And we prayed and we affirmed in our prayer that God loves her, that God has never stopped loving her, and that God has never stopped loving any one of us, Right? It's understanding God's word where we experience change. And second thing you see in this passage, the church is supposed to be a place of celebration, right? Nehemiah says, verse 10, listen, go enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. What, as I said, it was, it was, it was the feast of trumpets, And the Feast of Trumpets happened on the first day of the seventh month. In the whole month, it was the Sabbath month, right? Seven months. 
And it was a, it was a time to celebrate the harvest. And the, the Day of Atonement was in this month. It was a time of celebration to remember what God had done. And Nehemiah says, listen, stop the crying, right? Enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. I think that the, the Hebrew is, is a, 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 you know, a, a, a margarita there, I think, right? Just kidding, okay? But what is he saying? Enjoy choice food. Enjoy sweet drinks. Now watch this. And send some of those who have nothing prepared. Not only should you be a time of celebration, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes, there's a time for grieving. Yes, there's a time for honestly facing as we engage the word of God, where the word of God brings us to a place of conviction, of our, of our indifference, of the sin in our lives. But it comes to a place like I could see in the eyes of my friend. I said, listen, you know what? I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better follower of Jesus Christ. And God says, and Jesus says, let's do it. Come follow me, right? That's what, it, it's an invitation. It's an invitation. Uh, this is what Nehemiah is saying. Let me give you a, 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 a it's in, in some ways what Nehemiah is doing right here, it's a, it's a perfect picture of the church. The word of God comes in. Conviction comes in. Grace takes place. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Out of gratitude comes generosity, Right? That's what I so, not only to, to send people who have, he says, do not mourn or weep for all people had been weeping as they listened to the word. Nehemiah says, listen, turn this into a time of joy, food and sweet drinks, and send to those who have nothing. Now listen, for us, what does that mean? It's not just people who are, who are, 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 are materially poor. It's people who are spiritually poor, right? You know what you didn't see in Michelle's video, in the, in the longer version of that video, right? She knew Jesus at some level. She forgot him. It was a professor from this church, St. John Fisher, who was, who was, who was also a, a, a counselor, sort of a, 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 a guidance counselor, said, listen, you know, encouraged her and brought her to this church and helped reestablish her, her faith in Jesus Christ. This is a perfect picture of what the church is. It's out of gratitude for what God has done in your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength that you go out and give to people, not only materially, but spiritually, what they don't have. Let me show you. We looked at this passage a whole, exactly a year ago, Acts chapter 4. Just turn there quickly, Acts chapter 4. I think this is a parallel passage to what's happening in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 8. A spiritual revival. What does it look like? What should it look like here in our church? Acts 4.32 says this. All the believers were one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. How do they do that? What brings about that kind of um, response? It's not because, you know, someone tells you to do that. It's not some kind of burden that's weighing over your head. It's because of what God has done, right? It's out of gratitude. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. That's what's happening in a spiritual revival. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 
From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet and distributed to everyone who had need. Let me tell you what the REACH initiative is really all about. It's about bringing us back to a place where the joy of the Lord uh, is your strength. What is your strength? What is the joy of the Lord? It means this. It means God came into my life. I think of Michelle's story, right? Uh, I met Christ when I was a college student. And Jesus Christ didn't come into my life and, and help me out of a slump. He came into my life through some friends and cut through what I thought were the most important things in life and, and really satisfied the truest and deepest need in my life, which was the forgiveness of my sin. And that so uh, changed me. It not only brought me a sense of joy, it not only brought me a sense of the forgiveness of sin, but it put me on a new path for life, right? Listen, God is still in the business of doing that. This is what it's all about. That's why we're gathering here this morning. That's the whole purpose of the church. God's passion has not changed in 2,000 years. He's in love with the people all around us who don't know Christ. And what he's saying to us is, listen, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen, right? The church is supposed to be a place of celebration. Do not mourn, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is what it's really all about. It's about gratitude and it's about generosity, Acts chapter four, where because of what God has done for me, right, I begin to give myself to give my time, yes, to give my money to see that those who do not have what I have and what you have, the forgiveness of sin, they can have it. That's what it's all about. It's understanding God's word that we experience change. The church is supposed to be a place of celebration. Listen, what happened to Michelle Hopkins, we ought to be celebrating that every single day of the year. That's what it's all about. And lastly, remembering what God has done is essential for recognizing what he can do. Back in Nehemiah, look how this chapter ends. Remembering what God has done in your life, in the life of this church, is essential, essential for recognizing what he can do. Verse 13, on the second day of the month, Nehemiah 8, 13, the heads of the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra to give attention to the words of the Lord. They said, listen, we want more, right? You know, four hours of reading the Bible out there in the water gate wasn't enough. So the heads of families, they all get together and say, let's do this again. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters, the feast of tabernacles or booths during the festival of the seventh month and, they and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. They're rereading the word of God and they're remembering this, this, this season of this festival that they had loud, that had laid dormant. This festival that they had forgotten about, start, stopped celebrating. So the people went out 
and bought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole community had returned, I'm sorry, the whole community that had returned from exile, it's 42,000 people according to Ezra, built temporary shelters and lived in them. Imagine this, right? From the days of Joshua, all the way back to entering into the promised land, the son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, right? And their joy was very great, right? Three, two times in this passage, it says their joy was great. Why was their joy great, right? Because, the, of, of, because they came to a place where they, they reopened up the word of God, just like Nehemiah had done. Listen, God has not moved. God's promises have not changed. They're as real and as activable, activatable, is that a word, as they ever were. The question is, do you, are your hearts open? Is your mind open? Are you in the word of God? Are you hungering for it? They said, they said to Ezra, bring out the law of God and read it. We want to hear the word of God. We haven't heard the word of God in a long time. We haven't understood the word of God. It hasn't changed our lives. We want to hear it. And as they heard it, right, it starts with you. It starts with me. They began to weep. And yes, they repented of sin. Yes, they, 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 they had regret for seasons of indifference. Maybe that's true for some of us in this room. But God immediately forgave their sin. And God immediately uh, reopened up um, his love in a tangible way and restored their fellowship and restored his power in their lives. And it brought great joy and great purpose. See, you know, it says here, when, uh, from the day of Joshua until the present day here in, uh, in, in the book of Nehemiah, near the end of your Old Testament, they never celebrated it like this. Now, we know if you know your Bible, they did actually celebrate the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It's in the book of um, First and Second Kings. It's in the book of First and Second Chronicles. It's in the book of Ezra. So we know they celebrated it. What's he saying? He doesn't say they never celebrated. He says, they, um, from the day of Joshua until, the day, until this day, they had never celebrated it like this. Now, what does it mean? The Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Booze. I don't know what would be. It's almost like if we all decided, right, that we're all going to, you know, sleep in tents. Can you imagine? We just looked all over, you know, around the city of Rochester, around Penfield, Webster, Pittsburgh, whatever the case may be, and you just see all these people in their garages, on their front, sleeping in tents. That's what was happening. These people did have homes. But it says, for the first time, all of the exiles decided. Now, why did they do this? There were two reasons two reasons that they did this for, uh, uh, for millennia. One reason was it celebrated the harvest festival, right? And they were celebrating the opportunity to remember the goodness of God. They, it was an agricultural economy. Having a good harvest meant life, right? And they celebrated the harvest festival. But it also represented that season in the wilderness for 40 years when God met 
all their needs, manna from heaven every day. They had shoes that never wore out. They had the pillar of fire and the pillar of, uh, 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 that followed them by day and by night. It was a reminder that God was their true source of strength. God was the true source. He was their life. He was their true home. And for, and for a millennia, much of the Israelite people, once they got rich, once they got comfortable under David, under Solomon, when they no law, when, when things were good, they would continue to celebrate the Feast of Booze, but it was largely celebrating the harvest, right? It was kind of like, I don't know, sometimes we as Christians, you know, we celebrate Christmas and someone says, what happened to Jesus? Okay, it's that kind of a thing. They had celebrated the harvest festival. But now after 70 years in exile, as the people, the whole community, like never before, it meant something different to them here. It meant, it was a reminder to them after they'd lost everything that God was still with them. That what God had done in the past, he could do in the future, and he was doing it right here. And this is really the challenge to every one of us, right? What God, God has done great things uh, in the life of this church. He really has. Not, uh, long before I showed up. But God has done many, many great things. Lives have been changed. Families, like the guy I talked to, families have been saved. God has done great things things and he's doing great things but it's only the beginning of what he can do right if all of us will come to a place it, it begins with us guys that's why it's one of the reasons I, I really wanted to choose this book right we could go to the book of Acts and, and we have and we will and talk about how, how the spirit of God just you know just starts a fire in, in, in a community and brings people to Christ but it has to start with us it has to start with our own spiritual renewal. It has to start with every single one of us, our hearts being broken, because not only do we hear the word of God, but we understand it, right? They understood the word of God. It was made clear to them, and it brought them to a place of grief and a place of weeping that said, listen, I'm glad things are going good, but I can be, I want to be a better father, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better student. I want to be a better kid. I want to be a better follower of Jesus, right? That's the desire that needs to be birthed into every one of our hearts. And if that desire can be birthed in our hearts out of gratitude, right, we can just open our eyes, right? Just open our eyes to the people all around us, as Jesus said, right? Look, Open your eyes. They're ripe unto harvest. There are people all around us who don't know Christ as their Savior. And what they're looking for is an, a, 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 someone just like with Michelle, right? Her teacher who said, listen, Michelle, I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk about something that really matters. I want to talk about what God has done in my life. And I want to invite you, eventually, as it happened to her, to just join me um, uh, in church. And just a couple years ago, Michelle, she also went through a, a very serious cancer diagnosis, wasn't set, shared in that video. Um, God brought her to a place where she said, I'd forgotten, but now I remembered. And the word of God got a hold of her heart. And it changed her life. And now she's pouring in and changing the lives of others. Amen? Amen.
Uh, stand with me and let's pray. Two questions I leave with you, they're on your, in, in this study guide. In what area of your life do you most need to hear a word from God? It's a great question to ask yourself. What area of your life do you most need to hear a word of God from God? Because it's different for all of us, right? But God's word uh, still changes us if we're open to hearing it. It's in understanding God's word that we experience change. And then the last a question on the small group guide is what do you most need to remember what do we most need to remember as a church in our desire to grow in the years to come let's pray Father thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning thank you for every person in this room Lord that uh, followed um, an impulse to be here this morning Lord I, I can't begin to know uh, what's on every heart in this room. I can't begin to know what's on uh, uh, the challenges that are faced or the, um, where we are, each person is in their walk. But I pray, Lord, that you would penetrate whatever uh, might be standing in the way, whether it's a sin that needs to be uh, uh, confessed, whether that's a, uh, uh, just a, a discouraged heart that needs to be encouraged, Lord, whether it's a, um, a belief, a wrong belief, that they're beyond hope, that they're beyond your love, that they're beyond uh, um, being um, revitalized uh, as a follower of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would send forth your spirit, that the word of God would grip their hearts, the word of God would bring with it understanding, and Lord, through that would come uh, a joy, a joy that comes from knowing the forgiveness of sin, a joy that comes um, from knowing um, a communion with Almighty God, and a joy that comes um, from a serving God and sharing the message uh, with those around us who don't know. Lord, do something amazing in the life of this congregation. I pray for the spiritual revitalization of every person in this room. I pray for the spiritual renewal of this congregation from our students to our, uh, our senior adults. God, um, uh, break forth uh, whatever needs to be broken forth in our lives, in our hearts, uh, in, our, in, our, um, in, this, in this church that we might be fully um, engaged in what you want us to be engaged in, uh, in, in sharing the message of the gospel uh, to the hungry in this community who don't know you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.